Welcome to Beyond Corporate Services, PwC's Managed Service Audio Series. I'm your host, David Chabay. Today, we're speaking with Tim Ryan, U.S. Senior Partner at PwC, and we're going to be discussing his insights on what and how other senior executives are doing. Tim, as our leader for the last eight years, you've had the opportunity to talk to a wide range of CEOs, boards, and C-suites over that time, in addition to guiding PwC through our course. I would like to hear your thoughts on some conversations that stood out to you. And first, what changes have you seen leaders have to make over the last decade, especially with all of the significant external challenges we've had? Yeah, David, thank you. It's great to be with you today. And the listeners, thank you. It has been an amazing decade. We've seen technological revolution. We've seen geopolitical shifts. We've seen inflation. We've lived through a pandemic. And many CEOs have often said to me and boards, the number of things that are non-controllable are only increasing. And what they're really focused on is trying to do risk planning, risk scenario, but also then keenly focus on what they can control. And that's really hard as a leader because your people, whether it be your most important direct reports or whether it be every person at every level in the organization, get distracted by those external events they can't control. And also it has the ability to, in some cases, personally affect them And that makes it really hard. What I've seen leadership do is really focus and pivot to an environment where they're saying, let's focus on what we can control. And most importantly, a very human element, knowing that, well, CEOs, many want people focus on work. They understand that if you don't look after the whole human being and the whole individual, it's really hard to get the best out of somebody and help them realize your full potential. So I've seen this tremendous shift to humanization, this tremendous shift towards empathy, And as leaders doing everything you can to help your people, given the number of uncontrollable things that are happening in the world today. I love that. I'm going to ask you one question off topic, off script. So I'm going to apologize for you early on that, but I know you can handle it. When you think back on your last eight years that you've been doing, and you think about those external challenges that we faced, what's one that you're most proud of how we and you as our leader kind of handled? What are you going to look back with pride on? One of the things that makes me a bit sad is the world has thrown us so many curveballs out there, whether it be issues across any number of wide range of events that we've had. To me, the common theme, what I'm proud of is that, number one, our people rally around each other. I attribute that to the fact that we have good people, we have good values, and important culture. That culture does start with me, but by no means is only related to me. That relates to our partners, people like you and our leaders that set the tone that we are empathetic, we care about each other, and when one of us is hurting, that we're all hurting. And I'm proud of how we rally around each other in times of need. What makes me very sad is there seems to be more times of need than ever before today, given the challenging world that we live in. Yeah, it's definitely challenging, and I agree. It feels like it's increasing. That's a good lead into the second question, which is when you look at C-suite and board members and across a wide range, obviously there's some people that are in those positions now, and there's a lot of people listening that would aspire to be in those positions. What are some skills and traits that you have found to be most poignant for successful people there? Yeah, David, thank you. I'm smiling just for our listeners here. Mm -hmm. It is such an important question. I do believe personally from the hundreds and hundreds of companies that I meet with across many industries across the globe, we are seeing a change in terms of what is needed in the C-suite. And what is needed in the C-suite now more than ever is what I broadly call human capital talent and the ability to bring people along. And let me explain why. Almost every company, regardless of industry, needs to transform and reinvent themselves. They need to move from a world where lots of things are done manually and they need to reinvent through technology. They need to reinvent 
and deal with climate. And they also need to reinvent as we look at new geopolitical world order as the world is changing, as relationships change across the globe. How you bring people along in that journey will be the single biggest factor in terms of what makes a company successful or failure. It won't be the technology that they choose. It'll be how they teach their people to use the technology. It will be how they teach their people how to move forward in challenging times and become better and better at change. And that, to me, is very much a human capital change, and perhaps most importantly, how you inspire people to go on that change. By the way, the bigger the organization, the more global the organization, the harder it is to do. That skill set is incredibly important, which brings me now to advice for, for our listeners here. The sooner any of us move from a mentality of me to we, the better off we are. And when I think about a younger myself, starting out early in my career, I could get it done. It was, I could do it. And what I learned quickly over time, and even now as the firm's senior partner, it's very much we. How do we do this? How do we bring people along? By the way, that's in many cases a lot harder to do. It's always easy if I could just do it. I'm using air quotes, right, for us to think that. I think for listeners, if you aspire to continue to progress in your career, whether it's PwC or anywhere else, what is absolutely critical is moving from a me to a we mindset. Secondly, it's about how do you inspire people? One of the things I've advised hundreds of people over the years of is it is very easy in life to point out what the problem is. The problem could be in connection with a technology transformation. It could be in connection with entering a new market. It could be in connection with adopting a new way of working. It could be in connection with a new operating model. It is very easy to point out the problems. What is a lot harder to do is point out a problem and find a solution, being part of a solution. That leadership skill doesn't start when you get in the C-suite. That starts today for everybody. And people want to follow people who can be optimistic and find a way. So the quicker people adopt from pointing out problems to being part of the solution and putting ideas and pulling teams along, that's a huge skill. The last skill that I would say, David, is humility. Like admitting when you make a mistake, admitting when something didn't go quite the way you planned, admitting when you didn't execute well, you tried something new and it didn't work, and having the courage to stop it. That humility is massively important. When you look at the complexity of what most companies are trying to do, does anybody really believe it'll all be perfect? The most trusted organizations, the ones that say, we tried something, we got 80% right, we got 70% right, and here's how we're learning from the 20, 30% we didn't get right. So that humility if you don't adopt that skill early in your career, it's really hard to get it when you're in the C-suite. And you know, Tim, I, I feel like those are actually going to become even more important as we continue to roll forward because the pace of change, and even if you just look at it from a technology lens, all of the new things that are happening, it's really, really hard, maybe impossible now for any eye to know enough about all the different parts. And you've got to be able to have that group with a multidisciplinary approach to solve problems. So, David, it's so funny you mentioned that. So, as you know, and hopefully our listeners know, I'm a passionate advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. But that goes well beyond just gender, ethnicity, or any other element. It goes to skill sets. And to your point, yeah. organizations have to reinvent themselves. By the way, I don't care if you're in banking or insurance or logistics or energy or entertainment or media. It doesn't matter. Every industry has to remake themselves. Does any one person know that answer? No. But if you put the right business people with the right technologies, with the right change management, the right culture, the right human capital people, the right tax experts, if you can bring that team together and be inclusive, 
right. and truly listen to everybody's point of view, amazing things are going to happen. But if we're not willing to open ourselves up to somebody who may know generative AI better than me or who may know the benefits of Web 3.0 better than you, we'll never get there. So inclusion in many respects, the work we've been doing in inclusion is just beginning because it takes on a whole other dimension of skill sets and experiences that become so critical in order to succeed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And whether it's a big problem or small problem, and those do tend to be the people that get to more leadership roles, and those seem to be the more successful leaders. I've got the next question for you, which is when I'm working with a lot of senior executives, one of the things that's always a little bit of an angst in their minds is meeting with the board. And how do we interact with the board? And when we're doing training for new CFOs or CIOs or C-suite folks that we offer, that's almost always one of the topical areas that they pick. So you deal a lot with the boards. You've been with them. How would a new executive look to best leverage their board? Oh, again, I'm smiling for the listeners. That is such an important question. So I do have the privilege of working with hundreds of boards. So I have a wide body of evidence to share what I'm going to say. And I've learned first, you never say all, you never say none, because you'll be wrong. But Virtually all boards, what they want is they want open, honest, transparent conversation. Keep in mind, most boards in the corporate world are made up of current or former business executives. There's some exceptions that we have amazing people from government, academia, research also on boards. But what we all know is nothing is ever perfect. And what drives a board crazy is someone comes in and presents as if it's perfect. And boards don't want that. They know things aren't perfect because of their own experience, which is why they're on the board to bring their experience. So my first piece of advice for executives who are beginning to get in front of the board is share openly, like, I'm going to share with you what we're doing, but I don't want to mislead you. Of course, we've got room for improvement. Let me share with you the big area I'm struggling with, but let me first go through the things I feel good about. Like, I'm not suggesting we go in there and say everything's broken, but to go in there very open, honest, transparent, because nothing is ever perfect. And they know that. So the first thing they really value is candor and openness. I think that's really important. The next thing boards are, they want to offer their advice. They choose board service because of their experience. They get chosen to be on a board because they have a specific area or multiple areas of expertise. So give them time to give input, give them time. So if you've been allocated 20 minutes on the agenda or 30 minutes on the agenda, make sure you leave legit time so you can get input. And what you don't want to do is when you get input, the worst thing you can do is tell them why they're wrong. Like give an answer that explains why they're wrong. They're often their experience. And if you don't agree, that's okay. Just say that's something I'll think about. That's a really good point. But as opposed to explaining why they're wrong because they have experience and you can always follow up with that board member as well. That is critical. And then the last thing, David, and every company has a slightly different culture, but get to know board members outside of the boardroom. Go visit them, have a virtual meet and greet with them the morning of or the night before, have a coffee with them or whatever it is, but go have a conversation with them because the better they get to know you outside of that boardroom where it's a bit time constrained is really important as well. I love that. And I think some of that goes back to your I versus a we at the beginning. And, you know, the other point that I'll make to executives is the board's there to help you. They want to see you succeed. They're not there to throw darts. They're there to really help build up. I mean, that's why they're in those seats. Yeah, David, thank you. And I will just one more thing you reminded me of. Yeah. One of the worst things I think a member of management can do, CEO or anybody else, is play the card. Well, let's watch the line of management to governance. That to me is a very defensive way of operating. Most boards, to your point, want to help. 
and let them help. By the way, there is no clear line of management for governance. Most board members are trying to do the right thing, give them the chance. That's how I work with my board. Again, I'm smiling. At times, I'll make them uncomfortable because I'm like, give me suggestions. Give me ways to improve operations at a management because I want their input. Ultimately, I'll make that type of decision as a senior partner, but I actually welcome that input. I would like to see more members of management not worry about that line, but actually welcome it because to your point, I think it comes from a place of good. Wanted to help. I love it. Two last questions. The first one is a little bit of self-reflection for you. So if a great experience, Tim Ryan, today could go back to eight years ago or 12 or 15 years ago, you get to pick the time. What would you do faster or different? How should the rest of us look at ourselves as we're trying to become this? This will sound a little cliche, but we should all appreciate just how fast time goes by. And whether you're just starting your career and you realize you'll go from being an intern or a first year till you'll be five years in, or whether you're someone who's been there 20, you'll blink in the eye and it'll be 30. Realize that time goes by fast and really, really enjoy to have fun along the way. Without a doubt, I wish I tried even more. Like personally, I wish I tried more. I did a lot, by the way. It wasn't that I didn't try things, but life is like a buffet. Like try as many things as you can and work. It'll be more rewarding. It'll give you even more choice and more opportunity. But what I would say is I think as a leader, one of the things that I've come to realize is that human beings are way better at change and evolution than we give them credit for. And what I've realized is I care deeply about our people and deeply about humans overall, but what I've realized is that they're capable more. Don't underestimate them. I've found people are capable of just amazing things when you give them the opportunity. Last thing I would say, I am a massive optimist. When I look at the world today, I am not naive to the challenges out there. When I look at things like climate, when I look at things like an aging population, when I look at geopolitical tension, I have to tell you, I wish I was 22 again, because when I look at those challenges, I see amazing talent that's going to solve those challenges and really help the planet and the world become a better place. God, I wish I was 22 again and had the chance to be along for the complete ride because I think it's going to be amazing. That's awesome. One last thing. And I was at our annual DNI conference last week with all of our first year DNI associates, and they're always so inspiring. And some of them are also looking at a longer journey in addition to all of our younger colleagues, whether they're with us at PwC or any of our listeners. If you were that 22 year old, what would you tell them? So that's easy, given that I have some of those of my own at home. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'll, I'll give it to you straight from the heart what I tell my children. My mother died at 72, eight years ago this week. And my mother worked at a grocery store her entire life and not college educated. And what my mother taught me is three basic things. And these are things I pass on to my children who are now the two or who are in the workplace to the six who are in the workplace. And I would give to anybody who wants to have a great career, maybe more importantly, be a great human being. We can overcomplicate life. There's three basic things. Number one, work hard. Anything worth having is worth working hard. Now, yes, balance is important, but work hard. Number two, treat other people with respect the way you would want to be treated. And that's easy to say, but in our busy lives, it's actually really hard to do. We're rushing to a meeting, rushing to take care of something at home, rushing to get something done. But what we do and how we do it impacts people's lives from the smallest act to the biggest acts that we do and treat people with respect and constantly challenge yourself, did I bat a thousand today, which none of us do? And what could I have done better? My mother taught me that as a young child. Today, we talk about that as inclusion. We talk about that under our values of caring, but it is a very basic treat people the way you would want to be treated. Again, very easy to say, very, very hard to do. And the third one is to be honest. We're going to make mistakes. 
it is important to just own up to mistakes. My mother used to always say, and nobody calls me this besides my mother, but like, Timmy, like you hate being corrected. And she was right. And she was right. As a young child, I hated it. I've grown actually to welcome it. It's become a strength now. But like, be honest when something doesn't go well. Be honest when you make a mistake. If any of us go through a day and we haven't made a mistake, we didn't stretch ourselves enough. We didn't stretch ourselves. We didn't put ourselves in a tough situation. We didn't try something. We weren't as courageous in experimenting. But then when it doesn't work out, just admit it. So, David, that's what I pass on to anybody. I love it. I, I do that same one and tell people, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Tim, I first want to say I've super enjoyed working with you this last dozen years. Plus, you've been inspiring to me, and it's been an absolute pleasure. I know we'll catch up more later. But thank you very much for your time today, and it was great to see you. David, let me say thank you. You inspire me as well. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for how much you care and what a great person you are. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beyond Corporate Services, PwC's Managed Services audio series. I'm David Chabay. Copyright 2024, PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the PwC network and or one or more of its member firms, each of which is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.